So what kind of content warning do you give for stories about vomit, pudding, and the Holocaust? Proceed at your own risk. Welcome back to Tell It Anyway, the storytelling podcast we do and have not done recently in a little office above the butcher in Los Angeles. As it turns out, we were on a break. Uh, It was not an intentional break. It was more of a break of necessity and crisis. But we're back and we have brought our A-game. And by that, I mean two of the funniest storytellers that I have ever had the pleasure to briefly hang out with and share an entire portion of my life with. So, uh, And Matt has the exact opposite experience with both of them. So, Tim James. <laughs> yes. Uh, I hate Tim. Tim James <laughs> yeah. here yeah. is... Uh, don't know him well. He's kind of a dick. Yeah. Tim James <laughs> is an educator. He is a world traveler. He is also the guy you most want to sit next to in a circle in the woods, which I have done. Is That that was a camp reference then, that you guys would have a circle yes, in the woods? I get and... the circle in the woods thing. Yeah. Oh, I see. I'm not an overnight um, camp guy, so I don't know. Yeah. The next line of my intro was, as you might imagine from that intro, we know each other from camp. Oh, look at me stepping on your lines yeah. again. See, some things haven't changed about telling It's a tell it anyway tradition. <laughs> uh, so Tim uh, has come briefly into town to Los Angeles. And instead of like showing him a good time, we were like, you need to come into this office and tell stories. And uh, you were like, I'm going to ply him with mimosas and then yeah. <laughs> coax some embarrassing stories yes, from him. And, we, and it's OK. So it, it turns out be. OK. Our second guest is one very special, Jess Charles. Do you prefer Jess or Jessica? I prefer Jess. Jess. Okay, so we'll good. Go, we'll go with Jessica. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> our second guest is Jess Charles. She is a writer. She is a fellow Saturday Night Live expert. Uh, she works with Matt on the hit Disney series Stuck in the Middle and has worked on a TV show you all might know called Unreal. And we are super excited to have her here because she has a story that I've only heard in passing, but I cannot wait to hear from the source. I'm glad that Matt didn't just repeat it verbatim. No, I wanted to. Super uncomfortable. (laughs) And lest I forget, our third guest is no guest at all. He lives here. Totally, His name is Matthew totally C- unwelcome. His name is Matthew C. Flanagan. He <laughs> is my husband. He is my fellow Tell It Anyway co-creator. He just threw me one hell of a 40th birthday party. Aww. And uh, I'm really glad to have him back in the chair. I, 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 I totally miss doing this. And Jenny and I felt there almost wasn't a day passed where we didn't have a conversation where we were like, oh, why are we letting life let us let the slide? And uh uh, uh, hopefully we will, we will have a, a streak longer than just this one podcast yes. here. Hopefully this will be the momentum. Maybe this is the beginning of Tell It Anyway, season two. story I heard is that people are born And the measures you take just to wrestle you on All the money you take, all the memories you spill Will you measure your time? Today's topic is uh, work and play, and that may mean uh, work that you do that is not play. It may mean play that is not at all work. It might mean work that is playful. Who knows? 
So we have three storytellers today. I am just taking the uh, sit back and drink a mimosa and poke at Matt occasionally roll. <laughs> um, and uh, I think we are going to have, as is fitting, Matthew Flanagan go first. What could be more uh, related to play and the idea of play than recess, school recess? And uh, I would imagine that uh, anybody who... who, who was a kid uh, and knows that phrase, oh, yeah, mom, I'm going to go out and play, or, or knows the phrase about going out to play at recess, you know, uh, has somebody that comes to mind. I'm sorry, none a... of us here were kids. We don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but do you have Be more general, pictured please, in your, your head somebody who comes to mind as, as your, 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 when you say, I'm going out to play as one of your early friends that you would do that with? Hmm. Sure. Yeah. It sounds like no. Good night, everybody. Who's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I should have made notes. I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know why I'm going down this alley because it's not necessarily about this guy. But the very first story I told in this podcast was about uh, Jason. And uh, Jason was my uh, a recess uh, at school playground buddy. Uh, but he was, he, was, he was sort of unorthodox. What we were doing at recess, and this would be the third grade at the time, and on this particular day, uh, we were out in the baseball field, and the baseball field at this school, Fisk Elementary School, it was like uh, uh, the, the part of the baseball field that is sand, and then the, the area that is the grass manicured a little bit, and then beyond that, it would extend for a long ways where there was tons and tons of grass that wasn't manicured, and Jason and I were out in the middle of that grass, and we were sitting out there, and... <laughs> It, to, to, to any observer, casual observer, it would look like we were sitting there just eating the grass. But what we had discovered was we didn't even realize what we had discovered, but n now I have a name for it, which is the, the, the chive or the shallot. Oh. In the baseball field, there, were, uh, there was a patch of chives or shallots, and we were out there, and we had found them, and so we were sitting cross-legged out there eating chives but we didn't know it was what it was we were just like hey taste this it tastes like onion <laughs> can i can i just interrupt to say that we had something similar at my elementary school which was a vast ocean of raging hot black concrete and like a, then a nice little patch of shattered glass <laughs> and you taste it and, and it you tastes taste just it, like it onion. tastes like an onion <laughs> nice, really nice. first it sounds like a euphemism like i'm telling the story and like matt and jason were out there in the baseball field eating chives if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a euphemism. Just like a, a, as, a, uh, uh, as a future fat guy, it also sounds uh, uh, funny to say like, uh, you say, where's Flanagan? Is he on the swings? No, he's out there eating the baseball field. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was doing at the physical fitness time. time okay, was so I will <laughs> say that we did have edible items on my playground and they were all different cutlers. They were these tiny little blue and red and yellow tops of crack vials. Oh. You're lying. Yeah. No, You're I'm just serious. saying that for embellishment. Really? No. I used to walk to in school. In Park Slope? In Park no. Different Park Slope. Different Park Slope than the Park Slope you're thinking about. When I grew up in Park Slope, there was a part of my neighborhood where you could walk to school and count the crack vials. It was a different neighborhood then. By the way, when you said walk to school and count the, and my, my, my comedy brain was doing like the searchlight thing for what was the hipster equivalent, and I realized then I was so out of touch, I didn't have the reference. I was like, <laughs> count the pork pie hats. None of them work. I, I, I'm not cool enough to even know what hipsters Count the references. Count the yeah. cold pressed juiceries. <laughs> yeah, right. Cold pressed juicery bottles. See, Jess is younger than me. That's why she's the one coming up, and I'm in my twilight years. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's anyway, winding down back now. To the chives. <laughs> so we were out there. We, we were eating the chives. We felt like we had 
discovered something amazing and uh, slowly uh, filling my belly with chives at recess. And uh, then at the end of recess, I remember hearing a bell. I guess the teacher who was on duty for a recess kind of summoned us all with a bell and we all lined up. I, th- I remember it was there were two big kind of like metal doors that opened up into the school and all the kids who were out at recess lined up to go in after the bell rang and I was waiting in line and as I was waiting in line and anybody who knows me knows my writing partner knows one big thing we share is booger is our kryptonite oh, more than anything that else that is true boogies booger is something that not. Yeah, that makes me sick. And not a lot of things like gore on TV. There, I don't have a weak stomach that of, of things that will create a gag reflex in me. There are only a, a few things. And that is definitely one of them. And I was in line and there was this other kid in line, a sort of bigger kid. And I guess the way to sort of charitably describe him was slow. Not fully mentally challenged, but his name was Sean. And uh, uh, he was just sort of the sort of sort of known slow kid, but also like really, really good at math. So sort of in a rain man kind of way, I guess. And I looked over at him and he was gumming something in his mouth. Oh, and I looked at him and he was eating his own boogers. And I suddenly had that moment as I was trying to think of the story. I was trying to describe the way that I felt as a kid or or as I look back at it. And it was uh I think of two movies. One I've used before, which is that scene in Jaws when Roy Scheider is on the beach and suddenly the camera sort of dollies back and zooms in at the same time when he realizes there's something happening. So it's like you're, you know, you're, you're coming in and going back at the same time. And I'm looking at this kid chewing boogies and that's happening to me. And the other one is The Shining. Whenever Danny Torrance was looking at something that was crazy and we was, he was in sort of a seizure and he did that thing with his head like it's like the reverse bobblehead side to side. And I was like, oh, kind of doing that as I was watching this kid and guys it it was not subtle it was really really bad and suddenly i felt the churning of a thousand call them what you will (laughs) baseball grass (laughs) in my stomach and i couldn't stop it it was an instant reflex and i threw up right there on the hard blacktop of the playground in front of the two lines lining up of all the kids like and like and unexplainable because you don't have the presence of mind as a, as a fifth grader to explain why your throw up is filled with like green shit. <laughs> it's like, no, I was eating the baseball diamond. <laughs> There's no way to, to explain that yeah. in the heat of the moment. That's a and, step up. Yeah. <laughs> no, you don't understand. That's eighth grade. I was eating, the baseball, I was eating the baseball diamond. Of course you were. And and so suddenly everybody in line who, you know, had that look that I just had at Sean, they were all looking at it at me because I was the guy who had just thrown up green. And everybody was like, ah, it was almost like in my mind, they were like, you know, crossing back and forth in front of the screen fleeing, you know, <laughs> 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 ah, run, run for your life. It's almost like that, like the 30 Rock episode where Tina Fey rips off her top. It's almost <laughs> like you were doing that for that kid. Like they were all yeah. looking at him eating snot and you were like, I'm taking a bullet for this guy. <laughs> yes. I'm going to throw up green. And everyone's like, Matt Flanagan. Uh, and they forgot about the snot eater. It was a sacrifice. And so <laughs> I uh, I remember uh, it was almost like a crisis. And, and, and the, the teacher slowly sort of ushered the kids inside. And this teacher 
had been my third grade teacher. The teacher was on recess, dude. Your name was Mrs. Ricks. And I remember her as being like old, like 80 years old, like really old. But really now, that's probably just a kid's memory. She was probably in her late she was 60s. Probably, I don't know, 40. 40. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and and uh, I had a history with this teacher. Uh, when I was in third grade, um, I, uh, uh, we had these little blue booklets where we had to go home and practice our multiplication tables. And like one night you'd have to do twos and then the next night threes and the next night fours. And I like for some reason just never did it. Like I didn't do any of them. I had a blank booklet. So much so that when I finally got my third grade multiplication test, I panicked. I, I don't know what I was thinking. And I realized I hadn't done the work to learn the multiplication tables. So it was a time test. And when the teacher was like, all right, time, she came and looked at my paper and she realized I had like, if you had like uh, uh, seven times two, I had a bunch of columns that were like two plus two plus two plus two plus two plus two, oh, plus two times seven no. to figure it out. And I had only got through like four out of 30 problems and I was like totally panicked. And so she suddenly was on to me. This was in the third grade that I had, uh, I had, hadn't he been doing his, his, his little booklet? And she asked me, where's your booklet, Matt? And I was like, uh, I left it at home. And then the next day she asked me again. And I think I gave the same excuse. And I have a memory of it being like, like, a, like, like you owe money to the mob and you're like, yeah, yeah that's fine. Vinny. It's just right around the corner. I'll go get it. Uh. <laughs> and then you don't give it. Like you're just trying to find excuses <laughs> to get away. You didn't go home and panic, fill out the blue booklet. I would have been that full of two plus two us. plus two <laughs> plus two. I never learned it. <laughs> Still don't know it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> You're going to knock over that mimosa. No, I'm not. I'm aware it's there. I'm aware it's there. You're just like Mrs. Ricks. You leave (laughs) me alone. Well, I am 40. (laughs) (laughs) And finally, one day, she just told me, uh, uh, Matt, I want you to take your desk and I want you to dump it out right now. And I was like, what? Authority of a teacher. I did. Dumped it out. And there was the blue notebook. And she said, hand it to me. And she opened it up and she thumbed through it. And there was nothing in there. Nothing that I had done. I'd been lying to her for days. And she looked at me and she said, Matthew. You lied to me, and I will never forget it as oh a third grader. So here I was with that teacher on the, the, the blacktop after having just thrown up my, my baseball diamond. <laughs> and, <laughs> and she looked at me, weirdly without recognition in her eyes. I guess she was one of those teachers, and I don't know if that's a thing with teachers that have to ask a teacher. You could ask of, a teacher. She had no, I would think, you, that's a seminal memory for me. It is now, it was then, even much more so two years later, but she looked at me without recognition, like I was just a student out on the playground, and was like, kind of like uh, like you would to a, if you came home and there was a dog and, on the, and you had peed or pooped on the couch, and you were like, look what you did! Like, and she was like, look what you did right there. You're going to clean this like yourself. Why did you do this? Look what you did, which is probably not a good thing to do to a third grader. So did you say to her, excuse me, I learned in science class that vomiting is an involuntary. <laughs> right, right, therefore, right, right, I cannot I, be shamed for this situation. I wish, I wish I were the me now. I would have torn her apart. But I remember I was given a jar, like a peanut jar full of wood shavings. Like I was going to ask yes. if sawdust was involved. Yes, I, re- like I have sawdust. very clear memories of elementary school, a kid throwing up in class and sawdust. And isn't that out. weird? Thinking of that now, I'm like, is there just a room in elementary schools where they it's just like, oh, we have 20 jars of sawdust. And, and, and so I was out on the playground by myself with this, with this jar of sawdust being told she'd gone back inside. So I was all by myself to sprinkle it all over my green vomit. And even thinking now, I don't remember... 
ever being told to clean it up. So I'm like, how the fuck does that process work? Where it's like, all right, I dried up my vomit. Hopefully someone will just happen by and pick up this caked sawdust pile. <laughs> like, it seems they like only had to do method. like yeah. the first half of the cleaning up. Yeah. Like the yeah. prep for I just the was cleaning out there up. Pouring sawdust on it, and I went inside. But I do remember sitting there. And, and definitely having a feeling, and I've, I've talked before that I've had these sort of feelings where like, I'm almost like uh, the type of guy who, who, even when I was a kid, was nostalgic for a moment as it was happening. And so like, when it's a good moment, I, I can't even enjoy the moment. I was always like that. And for this, it was one of those moments where I was very aware that this, so this is being alone, huh? Pouring sawdust <laughs> yeah. onto your vomit oh, no. as the weather turns cold and the the blacktop down below, like way below, there's a parking lot in the area where you played basketball at this on this playground in the school. There were all these like uh, tetherball poles where it'd been years since kids had played tetherball and there, there normally were back in the day, I guess, tether balls on the end of a long chain. And and so, but now there was not, no longer a tether ball. So in the wind, you could just kind of hear the chain like, ka-ching, ka-ching, as I poured stuff <laughs> onto my vomit. So it was basically, you know how like the sound of a buoy in the sea, like when you have relaxation CDs, like, like seagull, seagull, ka-ching, ka-ching, brings you peace. This was the reverse <laughs> of that. It was like, alone, alone, alone. <laughs> ka-ching. And... I poured the sawdust, didn't pick it up, don't know what became of it, (laughs) went back inside, was like, ah, thank God that's behind me. And I got back inside and the rest of the class, my fifth grade class had already been gathered in the back of the class. I looked up and on the uh, blackboard, Travis Cundiff, one of my rivals, had written on the chalkboard, Matt Flanagan pucked. He had spelled it wrong. (laughs) (laughs) E-D. And uh, because I didn't write the story out, I have no ending. Let the sun shine. Let the sun shine in. I guess my question is. (laughs) End of the 40-year-old virgin I stole. (laughs) My question to you, Matt Flanagan, is did you at that moment realize that he had spelled puked wrong and did you judge him for it? I don't. I did realize he spelled it wrong, but I must have made jokes about it with my friend. But I don't because you were that you kind know, of little. I was, but prick. in the third grade, I don't think that was like ah, you just vomited up Ghostbusters green. Yeah, well, you spelled it wrong. <laughs> yeah, but it was good because for the next four years, I lived off those chives. No, <laughs> <laughs> that could have been an ending. There's That's your tag. It. There it is. That's it. Here comes the music. As you mentioned in your lovely opening, I work with Matt on a show called Stuck in the Middle. I think you called it Disney's hit show, Stuck in the Middle. Yeah, Disney's. That's how you're Disney's number one show, Stuck in the Middle. Yeah. When I started on the show, I was a production assistant because I live in Los Angeles. For people who are not here, what does that mean? So um, that means that I moved to Los Angeles and I want to be in the biz we call show. Mm -hmm. And so I'm willing to work ridiculous hours for no money Mm -hmm. to vaguely work around a television show. Right. So you're going to do all the jobs that you've never wanted to do and that no one else wants to do. And the reason a PA always has to be in the office is because what if something comes up that we don't want to do? Right. What if someone needs lunch? What if someone needs to 
flip that light switch and they're not sure which light switch it is what if the alarm needs to go on right all of these things and it always amazes me the level of badass particularly this job that winds up doing that low end of the totem pole job i mean like god you got to know so much it's ridiculous you need to be really good at people's names which i am terrible at mm-hmm. so that's a good thing because it's just like 150 people work on this show so go bring this to mike and they all have like <laughs> white man names that are just like Mike, John, oh Chris. Mike. And I'm like, uh, Mike? And they're like, you know, Mike in the camera department. And I'm like, right. And then I go downstairs and look for someone holding a camera. And yeah, and I am shitting on it, but you do learn a whole lot. You're shitting lot. on the tasks. Yes, I'm shitting on the tasks. Yeah. The job no, is a necessary is, is. one and everyone who wants to be in show business should try to be a PA. So um, being on, luckily being a PA on a Disney show actually can be fun because it's a kid's show. So you have to do like real wacky things. Right. You have to go and like <laughs> pick up these fake frogs because they're going to need them to do wrestling with. And you're like, that's fun. <laughs> um, so... On this particular day, uh, we were doing a, a very fun thing for, for the kids on our show. We sure. did this last season where we would have theme days. So everyone in the crew, the kids would pick a theme and everyone in the crew would participate. And it would be like, where you know, it's like when you're in elementary school and it's like, wear your favorite sports jersey and stuff like that. So it was fun. Everybody pretty much got into it. And uh, Did you do every theme day? I did... I think I did every theme day. No, I refused to do mustache day. No, 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 no. You're like, I work very hard to get rid of that fucking mustache. Exactly. All the time. I'm like, do you know how much bleach goes into because this? Because I also have brown I'm hair. I'm like, bleach yep. and wax, yeah. and I'm not drawing it yeah. back on. We did a, a mustache day and a unibrow day, and I was like, like no. pass. I pay good money to remove hard that unibrow. pass on that. Yeah. Um, and also because then, as the story will go on you can't wash off either of those things if you draw it on your face and as a pa (laughs) you have to go out into the world you leave the campus of this lovely disney world and go and talk to real people with real jobs you never know what's going to come your way you never know given day yeah so this day was pajama day okay and i was like cool i work really long hours i have to be here at five in the morning pajama day was made for me i'm gonna wear my nice pajamas that like the cute ones you know that like you don't usually wear to bed because like they're not that comfortable right, but right. they're cute so i'm in like full flannel pajamas yeah. and i'm like great and i'm like you know what pajamas are something that you can explain like yeah. if you have to go into the world you could be like i work on a disney show and it's the kids and people are gonna <laughs> think it's charming and it's gonna be fine <laughs> so i go in wearing my pajamas can you see that i'm hoisting myself already mm-hmm. it's happening <laughs> I'm enjoying you your setup. I do enjoy the setup. So <laughs> I, I go in and immediately it's like disaster area. People are like, oh, last night was crazy. And oh, my, you're lucky you weren't here last night because I went home early because I had gotten in at five in the morning. Mm-hmm. So by early, I mean, I went home at like 630. So I come in and everyone's like, oh, my gosh, last night um, because there was this bit. Uh, that Matt may be better able to explain since it's his fault that it happened. (laughs) (laughs) There was this bit where uh, one of the kids in this family, this large family in the show, they were, their parents were away and they were trying to accomplish a list of don'ts, things you're not supposed to do in the household, you know, uh, you know, leave the lights on and do that. Everything from small to huge things. So the whole night that was their sort of like what they'd call like sea runner where they were doing that joke, things they shouldn't do. And one of the things they weren't supposed to do. <laughs> and I think one of the payoffs was 
take a pudding bath, which, you know, only <laughs> in this family would it, would it come up. And that was what they were trying to accomplish. And so that was yes. what they had was these kids in, in, in like dressed to the nines and like tuxedos and top hats were supposed to take a pudding bath. Pudding and it was bath. up to the good people here to make that. So, happen, you know, of like. course, it was a whole thing because things like that always sound really easy, especially when you read them on a page. It's like Louis and Bees take a pudding bath. And you're like, that's going to be adorable and wacky. <laughs> and then someone's like, they're going to be cold. They're going to be we can't reset it. It's going to be all these things. Right. Yeah, they were so, very, very insistent about that. Like, yeah. These these you can't just drop a child into a tub full of pudding. Exactly. They're going to freeze to death. You don't even yeah. know you what crazy, could happen. Man? We don't have any science on what could happen to children <laughs> in pudding <laughs> baths. If these kids get hypothermia, it will be on your head. Exactly. If they get pudding hypothermia. So it was decided that it, like, it wasn't going to be pudding, and then on the night... What was the chemical? It, it uh, was what like, is that stuff called? Uh, it's, it's, you know, whenever... It's terrible. It begins with an M, but whenever I think about it, it's like, we got to get a tub full of mesothelioma, and I know Yo, that's uh, not mes- it. Mesa... <laughs> shoot. I need a tub full of like cancer. Meso- Thessoglycerine like or something. A, yeah, like so, yeah, it's, it's like very, very like slippery. a goopy thing that you can use as like filler, right? And then put like a layer of pudding on the top. Okay, so that's what was decided was going to use. But then it turned out that that is like even colder than pudding, and it's also slippery. And, and also, the kids you, could, could, you like, couldn't get enough of it, right? Like, and as we all know, it's it's not funny to watch two kids be in like a quarter inch of right. pudding. So production, <laughs> uh, you know, went into overhaul, and it was like we need to get all this pudding here yesterday. Like this needs to be here within two minutes. So I wasn't there for this, but this is like kind of when it's fun to be in production. Cause everything gets kind of crazy. And like, you know, you're like running around for like the silliest reasons. And, you know, uh, Claire, who was our APOC, which is a nice industry term mm-hmm. was calling around Los Angeles, trying to get, uh, like a grocery store that had massive quantities of pudding. That's so, what's so crazy to me. It's yeah. like, hello? Uh, <laughs> like a maniac. Yes, butterscotch. That'll do. <laughs> that, yes, and it was baths. like, it, it doesn't all have to be chocolate pudding. It just needs to be chocolate pudding at the top. There was like a lot of conversations that adults were having about pudding. It just needs to be chocolate so, pudding at the top. Uh, so finally, everybody was able to get through going to, I think, five different grocery stores, uh, get all the pudding that was required. So the next day, it turns out, we bought way too much pudding that to counteract the pudding <laughs> incident. Uh, I come in and they're like, you know, we need you to, to return the pudding and get the money back for the pudding. And I'm like, <laughs> oh my God. To be yeah. fair, uh, the night before, uh, it was it was considered to call me back because I had like just left as pudding gate went down, <laughs> and it was like, ooh, should we call her back? Should she turn around on you know yeah. her terrible drive home and yeah. come back? And they were like, you know what? No, let her go home. Do you think other shows that it, that it uh, it would be a common thing to be like, all right. Now we have to return all this excess pudding. Or, or, or I think other, it'd probably be like, show, we should return it. that. And then it would like sit in the corner until like right, a PA had right, nothing right, to do. And yeah. then it'd be like, hey, go do this. Yeah. But this was like, this needs <laughs> to happen now. It's like, affecting <laughs> the budget. We spent a lot of money on pudding. And I was like, <laughs> oh, this, this pudding okay. could be someone with a speaking role, an extra. Uh, yeah. So I go down there like it's on the set somewhere. I don't know where. And in my mind, I'm picturing, as maybe you are, like pudding cups, like yeah. snack packs. Yeah. Um, or, you know, whatever brand of pudding you like. (laughs) So I go downstairs and I ask, uh, another PA, I'm like, uh, where, where's, do you know where the extra pudding is? And he's like, oh yeah, it's over in the, in the corner in the bathroom. And I was like, great, the set bathroom. So I go over. Oh, I thought you meant like they put it in the shit. No, they put it in the, in the set bathroom. (laughs) And I'm like looking around and I'm like, I don't see it in here. And then I see what looks like a pyramid about up to my, I want to say shoulder. (laughs) 
of like paint can sized pudding. It's like industrial right. pudding. Camp pudding. Camp, camp pudding, if pudding. you will. Camp yeah. pudding. Prison pudding is yeah. what I would say. Prison, prison Gover- government issued pudding. Government issued pudding. Hunger Games pudding is Hunger over here. And I'm like, oh, oh no. So I like look at it and I'm like, what am I supposed to do? So I back my car up like almost onto the stage. I have a hatchback. I open it up and two boys. <laughs> you gotta do it in your own car. Yeah, in my own car. And Hello, two boys. Is anybody else around? Start helping me. Like whatever crew is standing around is like, what are you doing? Because I'm just like a girl in her pajamas. Reminder, I am wearing a full <laughs> set of flannel pajamas and I think my hair was in like braids to be cute that would be cute yeah, to be cute yeah, braids. Yeah. little cute little braids <laughs> and I'm like just move I'm like sweating moving paint cans paint cans oh. paint cans of pudding <laughs> and so Excuse then me. I just Here like the snap shut the hatchback like okay I guess this is happening Did it sink down onto the it, tires a little it like started rolling about in oh the back God. like it was like kind of getting stuck under my seats and it was, I, fi- I did some math and figured out that it was about 200 pounds of pudding was in my car. It's upsetting. So I am like, okay. And I realized I forgot the receipt. At this point, I'm still thinking. <laughs> Which is under all pudding. Yeah. I'm still Gotta thinking. Gotta unload it all again. <laughs> I'm like, you know, okay. All you have to do is being a PA, a lot of it is telling yourself that everything's going to be okay. So I'm like, all you have to do is go to the one grocery store. They're, they're like surely... How, like, Jess may win for saddest aside. The saddest. <laughs> Just little depressing, okay. yeah. sinking moments of the soul. Just know that I was having yeah. horrible moments yeah. as this was going on. So I was like, everything's going to be fine. This. Surely they will remember the pudding. Because right. you not every day do you get someone come in and buy over 200, 400 pounds of pudding. Yeah. So I go back up and I'm like, oh, I forgot the receipt. I get handed a stack of five to six receipts because they were purchased yeah. from different stores. Of course. So I'm like, oh, okay. But how do you know which pudding comes from which store? Oh, you don't. So what you do <laughs> yeah. is you drive. It's a, it's a good slow pitch in there, yeah. Jenny. <laughs> yeah, thank you for that. Lob it up. So you drive to a grocery store. You take out all of the pudding because you're like, they were all the same brand, brand of grocery store. It was all from the pudding. same type of grocery store. Okay. I don't know. Are we allowed to give a name for the grocery sure. store? It was Food for Less. Oh, The yeah. classiest <laughs> grocery store. <laughs> so if you're wondering where you can get government issue pudding, your government pudding, let's be real. It's Food okay, for Less. Food for Less. So Got I, it. at the first one, I'm like, okay. All their food is in paint cans. <laughs> I'm like, I bet you... And you have to use one of those like old timey uh, can openers with <laughs> yeah. like the latch on it. Yep. So I'm like, you know, I bet they'll just take all of it back at the one because it's the same. It's the same kind of grocery store. Yeah. So I unload all of it into a shopping cart to give you the visual. The shopping cart is overflowing with pudding like it's oh barely balanced on the top. And I'm <laughs> once again in my pajamas and I walk into a grocery store with a <laughs> cart full of pudding like I woke up in my bunker and was like, oh, I, I made a huge mistake. <laughs> I don't think nuclear winter's coming at all. Oh, my God. I, I, it's actually, I need more things than pudding in this bunker. What was I thinking? <laughs> I overbought on the pudding. So, I, need, I need to buy a gas mask and I can't afford it anymore. I go in and I, I'm like, hi, I think I need to speak to a manager, which should be obvious. Yeah. <laughs> And they were like, uh, sure, hold you, on. What's obvious is you need to speak to someone. Yeah, you need I someone. Think manager is the job. Yeah. 
and I was like, hello. The manager comes up and she's like looking at it like with fear in her eyes. I was like, hello. I don't know if you were working last night. And I'm trying to explain it like a sane person. And she's just looking at me like I've escaped from the institution. Right. And How do you explain this? She did not work last night. So she was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I was like, my boss probably called you looking for pudding. And she was like, no. <laughs> Oh my God. Okay, uh, I work on a children's show, and she's like, "Okay," <laughs> and I'm like trying to explain it. She's like, "I need to call my boss." I'm like, "Okay, okay." So now I'm just standing in a grocery store, at the end of like an aisle, like a checkout aisle, and everyone who walks past is going, "What is happening?" And one woman stops and is like, w- "Why?" Why, why is this? And I was like, oh, I work on a TV show. And she was like, oh, okay. And then just kept walking as Welcome if that to Hollywood. everything. Yeah. It's good to know if you're ever, just say, if you look like you're in the midst of a breakdown. You can like, say, oh, I work on a TV show. I work show. on a TV show. It's not a big deal. So she comes back and then we start getting into a pudding bidding war oh my because i'm like i need money back for this pudding you know like how society works i give you pudding you give me money (laughs) and she the reverse of what we did yesterday you get it here's these receipts i have six of them can they help (laughs) you you at all choose anyone they're crumpled because they've been in my pocket because i'm crazy and she was like we can't take back all this pudding for a very good reason which is we can't sell it because who the hell buys 200 pounds of industrial pudding so you need to go of, back. Of oh, return. Of return, yeah. Industrial <laughs> like, With like a stamp on it that's like, someone didn't want this. Do Sam you on want used pudding? And by the way, most of it was tapioca. So who oh. the hell? No one. No one. So she's like, I'll take five so tapioca cans tapioca is what they use for the, for the, uh, the undercoat? The under, yeah. There was like <laughs> vanilla, tapioca, and chocolate. <laughs> Little inside baseball. Um, so she was like, I'll take five of them. And I was like, can you take seven? <laughs> so now oh anyone God. who's walking by is me. I'm now bartering with pudding. I'm like, maybe eight or nine. Could you take just the chocolates? <laughs> she finally took a few, gives me just cash. The- oh, my God. And so I spent the rest of the afternoon driving to separate grocery stores returning do you think the they started calling each other i hope so <laughs> i think actually maybe because the last one i went to i walked in and i was like i need to i need to speak to a manager please and i still had two left so i had like two stores worth of pudding in a grocery oh. cart i've now put it back in my car taken it out of my car put it back in my car taken it out of my car i'm very familiar with the pudding at this right. point i'm like there's one with a dent i recognize oh. it so I get it all in. I know you, David. <laughs> I'm not just leaning into the crazy. Um, so I get it in, and I'm like, hi. Um, this is, I'm, I'm already, yeah. I can't even explain anymore. And she's like, what are you trying to do, dear? And I was like, I need to return all of this pudding, please, but it's from two different stores. And she was like, I'll take it all back. Oh, and that's so nice. And I was like, thank you so much. And then I just walked out with like my cash in my yeah. hands and like waddled to my car, still fully in pajamas, and went oh. back victorious of course everyone was just like yeah good job you did your job that was what we wanted the that's money what back the money for, for. The after that journey happens and it's like great great jess now do this yeah and it's like uh, and we're out of paper towels in the women's room and i'm like yeah. hit that light switch when you're done yeah, yeah so but- never take part in a work if you if in the 
morning you think, will this affect my job if I dress up in a fun <laughs> way? The answer is a resounding yes, absolutely it will. Oh my God. Oh, well, bravo. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's nice to know that it ended that there was kindness at the end there of that was. pudding yeah. story. You know what I mean? Like, I want to tell you that I didn't cry, but when that woman took the pudding back, I may have gotten a tear I in was my eye. Ask, yeah. Whether and or not just, there were ever moments over the course of that day, because we've all had those moments with you like at work where you're like, uh, uh, I got a trunk full of pudding. I could not go to the next door. I could keep driving from Mexico. Oh, I did <laughs> you know? think, I I did think you know, maybe I'll just leave with the pudding so that when I leave, I'll be like, I'll have like a story about me. Yeah. People will be like, one day we gave all this pudding to a PA and then she, she just never, never came, came back. back. <laughs> See, now let me tell you the story of what would happen if that was PA Matt Flanagan. Oh, sure. He would have loaded all the pudding in the car, driven to the ocean, set them afloat, <laughs> and then gone and taken the money out of his own account, driven back, given it, and then like never said another word about just, it. You know, the true story it. to that is that I would have been gotten... Put all the pudding in my car. Got five minutes for my job, and do 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 do. Jenny, I got all this pudding. I don't know what to do. You have to figure out how to help me put it back. I don't know what to do. That's what would have happened. But you know, there's something about the mental disorder of a writer. And like a funny person in general, that I was like, oh, this is gonna be a great story. <laughs> you know, that like as it's, it's happening, so you're true. like, you know yes, what? I yes. moved to LA, and if I leave tomorrow, I could tell people, and people would be like, that's exactly what I thought was happening in that wacky town. That's yeah. you did it. <laughs> yeah, you did show business. You worked on a Disney show. Pudding. Good for you. Good job. Yeah. Well, well played. <laughs> so we really you appreciate so much. it. <laughs> oh. And uh, we wish you all the best. And if this story is any indication, you should have your own show by next year. I appreciate <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, you really should. Yeah. The Pudding Hour. The Pudding Hour. <laughs> Just Charles and the Giant Car of Pudding. I'm stuck in this How does the experience of pressure, just divorced of any personalities, compare of being a writer's assistant and being the PA position that you're in? Um, it might be different on a different show. We happen to have like a lovely group of people um, that I'm not just saying because you're this is somewhere where it's going to go. But once you're a PA, if you're like, you know, in the trenches, I think that you can do anything, <laughs> like any job like that in the industry. And I would say that Tim and I feel that way. About With camp. Your camp, yeah, because that you get so much thrown at you at so an early much thrown age. There's so much of a, a different variety, and it all boils down to at the end of the day, are the children alive and basically unharmed? Like everybody has, hopefully, that thing that they like reach deep within themselves, and they're like, you're like, "What's gonna happen? Yeah, someone's gonna yell at me." Well, maybe? you still I, say to this day, at 40 years old, uh, camp counselor Jenny comes out, or this people call me that. So did yeah. that. That and that is I don't inf- call myself informed that, is your, 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 you being <laughs> a producer. I'm Camp Counselor no, Jenny. No, 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 I know that. Yeah. But no, but that Camp Counselor Jenny came out like yeah. that sort of thing. And then Camp, suddenly Camp you were. Camp Counselor Jenny was forged, tasked. logically speaking, at camp. That no, makes no, sense. no, no, <laughs> yeah. I know that. In the, in the campfire? Okay. In the fire. It was forged yeah. in the campfire mm. before it was peed on by the boys' bed. Sure. Right. Right. Um, all right. Well, this to def, me. It's a deaf transition. Right yes. There. It's a deaf <laughs> yeah, transition smooth. to probably the most erudite, thoughtful, and kind member of the boys' side, Tim James. All right. Thanks, Jenny. Um, so <laughs> just setting, setting the bar 
pretty high for this story that is going to rhyme with funnilingus. <laughs> uh, so... Um, oh my God, I'm so glad I don't have to follow the funnelingus story. <laughs> so I was a teacher for a lot of years. And if you know any teachers, you know that they are disproportionately... You know there's situational depression? Yes. Like, sure. Yeah, we have cool. all we're, we're all, do, we're yeah, all we doing all personal it. storytelling on a podcast. I think we probably yes. are familiar. <laughs> um, so there's situational depression. And there's something that happens with teachers, which I think is situational uh, substance abuse and situational <laughs> slutty. So we're back. We we had a weird Did you moment get, get where it we all? almost yeah we almost lost the podcast Woo. and then didn't lose the podcast. Hooray! No podcast. Tim, you you were in the middle of literally saying situational sluttiness, and it cut off at slut. I like situational slut. That's fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And an apt description of me uh, <laughs> as as a teacher. So uh, when we left our antihero, me, uh, I was trying to explain how being a teacher, there's a lot that's being repressed when you're dealing with students. And it sort of certain things come out like I'm less, I'm not as slutty or as much of a drinker as I was when I taught because I would need to sort of, I'd need to release all the tension uh, somehow. And is this now, now the tension is because children are awful? No, no, children are great, but children are fine, but there are just like, there are certain behaviors that you can't do. Like you can't really curse around kids. By the nature, you know, you just have to be a different version of you. You're like stifling. You need to be sort of the best version Mm -hmm. of you, but best has like a bunch of asterisks around it. (laughs) Right. So, so that's why, uh, high school, school. like nine to 12. Ooh, that's. You don't want to like so, get into that weird like creepy teacher area. Yeah, where you're, like, yeah. too hey friendly with the kids. What are you doing like, this weekend? Yeah. Relax. <laughs> right, and so you you know you you set up some boundaries, and the boundaries are sort of set up for you by virtue of being a teacher. But then there's the summer, and the summer is when that all you just managed to like void all of that. You, you those release. repressed impulses like right. your id comes out in the summer it's like the rumspringer for teachers <laughs> it is but unlike for the amish like you do it like every year like at least they right. only have to suffer one rumspringer once right. and then they're like i'm going english or i'm returning back to the amish <laughs> but for you you do the year again and you're like all right it's time for rumspringer 2016 <laughs> so I uh, it's about a decade ago and during the summer I I would I'd work I did research um because I was a history teacher so I travel a lot and in this summer uh I was gonna go to Poland uh to do some research about the Cold War uh and World War II so I flew into Prague and I went to a bar I had a I had a red-eye train uh up to Krakow and had a couple of drinks and I came up and was approached by prostitutes, which happens a lot when you're just like a guy traveling alone in your 30s. Uh, <laughs> and so I was like, no, thank you. I'm here for the children. And then I was like, that's terrible. <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me walk that back. Uh, and so I sort of stumbled to the train. I'm, I'm ready to go to, to Poland and do 
and do this research and I get in and there's a like a just a just a there was that stereotype about like Polish plumbers uh, coming into the EU and driving down the prices of like English plumbers and French plumbers. Uh, it was a sort of racist trope. And this guy was the Polish plumber. Right. Like he, fit, he was such a stereotype and he was in my train cabin. And he was very gruff, and he didn't speak any English, and I didn't speak any Polish. And he was like, and I was said whatever I knew how to say in Poland, uh, Polish, which is nothing. And <laughs> and he sort of reaches into his bag. He just he's looking mad at me in an Eastern European way, and he and he pulls out like he pulls out a bottle of uh, Zubrovka vodka, oh which boy. is this wonderful buffalo grass uh, vodka. We're back to that again, flavorful grass. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and he, he, and he sort of gestures to me, uh, gestures at me with it, and and I was like, no, no I'm fine. I'd already had a couple of drinks. Uh, and he looked very frowny uh, and sort of gestured Were you again. Thinking about the uh, how many the old how many Polish plumbers does it take to rape you in a train car? <laughs> right, right. And I was like, if memory serves, the number is prime and less than. Or you're about to like then then Polish men offer vodka, you fucking drink it. Right. <laughs> that was and like at his second offer, I was like, yes, give okay. to me. Yes. <laughs> uh, so like I drank vodka and he smiled as much as he could, and then you know, gave it back to him and he drank it. Then I drank some more, and I was done. This was very strong. And, you know, I hand it back to him and he takes a big swig and he offers it to me. And I said, no. And he sort of smiled at me like, (laughs) of course, you will only have two drinks. And and so I just I I sort of fell asleep. He was sort of humming a tune. (laughs) You know, it was a little lullaby. And it's the only time I am happy when I am blind drunk on grass vodka. It was go to sleep, like, America. Yeah, yeah, right. I will steal all your money. So, so I do. Like, I, so I doze off. I'm not supposed to get to Poland uh, to Krakow until like eight in the morning. It's about one, uh, and so I fall asleep and I wake up and I'm going through Poland and it's very foggy out. We're traveling through the forest. Uh, and so I'm just seeing like the, You're in a the forest. I'm seeing you look left, you look right. It's already like an <laughs> RPG. <laughs> like, yeah. you know I mean? yeah. <laughs> That's a little close to home. Uh, <laughs> the reminding me of my youth. Uh, so, so there, there are just these shapes and the train is slowing down. And so I stand up and I'm very hungover uh, and I'm looking out the window and, and we're coming into a station and just out of the fog is this white sign and with black lettering and it says Ozwitz, like O-S-W-I-E-C-Z. Okay. Like, and, and there was something just tickling the back of my head. Uh, and I was like, Ozwitz. And I thought for a second, I realized, oh, shit. Ozwitz is Polish for Auschwitz. Oh, no. And, and... So I was having a bunch of weird experiences. I, I mean, I had the history teacher experience. Right. And I had the hungover experience. Right. Uh, and and you was had also... being on a train going on to a tra- Auschwitz. Uh, being on a train in the fog in Poland experience wow. arriving Ugh. at Auschwitz. Yeah. And, and I just sat there and, and I stared and I just stared at it. And I'm, you know, just thinking about all of the things. And... 
and we were only stopped like i mean there were people getting on the train because people live there like it is a town like i mean I, there was like a municipal bus that was like running down the street it was very jarring that's so hard to th- you never think of that that it's a town you know what i mean like, yeah, you, have you yeah. tried the deli in auschwitz <laughs> right that's exactly yeah. i'm sure the deli there is pretty bad unless it's italian <laughs> God. And it was this it was a very it was a very alarming experience. And and then the train just pulls out and I just kind of watch the sign disappear into the fog and like the tendrils sort of coming into the window and I was very unsettled. I so I arrive in Krakow and I was like, well, I I knew I was going to go to Auschwitz. I just didn't know I was going to be there right. like coming in. I cuz that was going to be some of my research. And so it was just sitting there in my head. So I check into my youth hostel uh in Krakow. And I'm just hanging out with the other people in the hostel. I was like 27. And so they were all in their 20s, early 20s, and go on a tour. But it's still just in my head. Like, I was just in Auschwitz. That, uh, like, I didn't know how to wrap my head around that. Get back to the, to the youth hostel. It's like 9 p.m. Now, this is like right before poland had really gotten integrated into the eu so it was still very cheap and was like not ready for prime time right um and so everyone in the hostel was like we're going we're we're going to drink tonight and i was like all right yeah they were like you would like jubrovka and i was like i know about that (laughs) i approve and like and today was a very psychologically challenging day so yes to that so I was drinking and talking to the people in the hostel, and there was one just very fetching lass, let's say. There always is. Uh, I used to be her. And <laughs> let's... Uh, still are. You still are. And her name was Mary, and she was Irish. I know that's a little on the nose, but it's true. <laughs> and and she was, she was, you know, just a busty redhead and appeared to be a bit amorous towards me. And there was a little, like fake dance floor on the, in yeah, the like middle of the youth one hostel. Like a rectangle. Oh, yeah. Right, just a rectangle yeah. that they put Classic. down some I was different on an, a cruise ship going to Ireland with one of those and man, is, you've never been drunk and dancing on a cruise ship like wah, wah, like a big ferry that looks like a cruise so ship. So people use yeah. them then? Yeah. Okay. Oh, they do. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yes. I mean, what else are you going to do? <laughs> uh, and so, uh, so like we're dancing a bit and uh, we're staying in the same in the same dorm room uh, and and so we kiss a bit, but I was like, my plan the next day was to go to Auschwitz. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> and I was like, I can't do this now. <laughs> like I just, there, there was too much going on. It like too much in my heart and my head that was driving out my libido. <laughs> so I was like, I, you know, she was, I, I said to her, look, I'm going, I'm going to go to sleep. Uh, and she was and she was drunk too. So she just danced away, and I. What's fell your asleep. feckin' problem, you yeah. stupid feckin' yeah. <laughs> American? And so I go to bed, and I wake up very early. There are three young Japanese girls also in the dorm. Mary is one bunk over from mine, and there's a Swedish guy like right above me. And I set my alarm, and yeah. they're all like, "Fuck you!" <laughs> like it's six forty-five, yeah. and they were all drunk. So I go, and I I I get on the. I get on the bus, uh, and it's a beautiful day in Poland. Like, beautiful blue sky, like fluffy white clouds. It's like a three-hour drive, and I'm driving to Auschwitz, and I'm writing in my journal, and I'm writing about what it means to me and how I hope I'm going to be able to help my students. Like, I'm really, I'm serious about this. And 
we get to the stop and it's right next to Auschwitz one. There are two concentration camps there. There's Auschwitz one and then there's Auschwitz two, which it is was Birkenau. A sequel? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> the box office was that good. Yeah. Shut <laughs> up. I'm cutting <laughs> that <laughs> out. You're cutting That's... nothing. The half Jewish part of me is offended. Yeah. <laughs> You'll keep it in, Jew. <laughs> So, so I get out there and I'm, and I'm so like, I've overprocessed on the bus ride. So I just get out and I'm like, it is beautiful here. <laughs> and then I was just like, well, that, okay. And that's a thing I don't want to share in 10 years on a podcast. It is a beautiful day here in Auschwitz. <laughs> oh man. And, and I, I, so I, you know, I go in, I, I go into Birkenau and Birkenau is, ju- it's so monumental. Like it's, it's just huge. And you look as far as you can in any direction and the camp is still going like the ruins of the barracks. Wow. It just, it's like, it doesn't, it's not, we're going to get into semiotics. Like it doesn't stand for anything else. It just kind of stands for itself. Yeah. It's like a mountain yeah. in the distance and it's petrifying. Um, because like you walk, like walking at like a stately, respectful pace from one end to the other, it's like 25 or 30 minutes. And you're just like, that's the ruins of the barracks. That's the ruins of the barracks. And so I'm having, but like, I'm also having the experience of like birds are singing overhead and like frogs are being frogs. (laughs) And it's, and it's, it's very, I mean, it's, it's unnerving and I don't, I still haven't wrapped my head around it 10 years later. But eventually, like, I mean, I, I, I sit there and I cry and I get back on, uh, I get back on the bus and I'm just trying to make sense of it and I can't. And I get back to the youth hostel around 7 p.m. But they've all gone to the castle. No. <laughs> like, they all went to, like, do a little mountain hike. And oh so they're God. just like, they're back. They've already gotten started on the night's activities. Yeah. And so for a while, I'm just, I'm sitting there reasonably a buzzkill. Because uh, they're like, how was your day? And I'm just like, you, I'm like, I know that you don't want an answer to that. They're like, hey, man, yesterday was really fun. So I'm glad you're still here. And I was like, I'm glad I'm still here, too, but on a deeper level. Yeah. <laughs> and could you could you pass the butter? Could you pass the injustice? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sitting there, but I realize, like, I can't I can't live like I don't have the spiritual capacity to just like live in the despair. But there's something mm. in that attitude, that despair, that keeps us alive, I feel like. The fact that you can't live in that despair forever. So so I'm back in the hostel, and people are starting to get festive, and I just realize, like, I gotta, I gotta move forward. And so I... I walk over. I'm like, but I'm a man on a mission. Like, whereas yesterday it was just, I'm in Krakow. This is a great city. Like drinking is coming naturally. Right. This was an artificial attention to alcohol. Like you need to right. obliterate yes. feeling. Yeah. And so I just like walked right past, like walked right past Irish Mary. Like she's just, <laughs> she was like, Hey, t- hello, Tim. Or what? How, that's not Irish. Uh, <laughs> hello, Tim. Uh, so too much Polish alcohol. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I just go and I and I pour myself a shot. And I just but I had that 
I had that fixation that people paid attention to me when I walked towards the alcohol. And I just like poured a shot and I drank it. I poured a shot and I drank it. It was like being back in college. Yeah. It was like doing like the two shots rule before you went to a party. But I went for like the six shots rule and drank it. And they were like, hey, like how, how was your day? And I, I, I can't talk about it. And I, I start to feel... I didn't feel better, but I felt I felt less. Yes, <laughs> that's really yeah. what it was. Yes. I felt less, and and I start dancing by myself on the dance floor, like I'm just I'm dancing it out, and uh, people come up and they start dancing, and uh, Irish Mary comes up to me, she starts dancing. She's a little flirty. We dance, we kiss a bit. Uh, she. Brings me back to our dorm room. Oh, dear. It's about 2 a.m. And I hadn't ever performed cunnilingus what? as part of a mission. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> I was like, dude. There was a long pause there yeah. where I was I'm like, sorry, yeah, um, sorry, part of a like the present. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So it's part of a restorative healing right. situation. So she brings me back and... We climb up onto her top bunk, <laughs> and the the Asian girls are all already sleeping. We start making. This is out. a sampling, by the way, of many fantasies. I yeah. <laughs> In the eight-person dorm youth yeah. hostel, with the dancing still going on, uh, Irish Mary and I become amorous. Uh, <laughs> Because I still, I, I'm not far away from this experience that happened to me that day, but the alcohol has helped and Irish Mary's ample bosom uh, is not. <laughs> I want uh, Tim to that's tell a, that's a, that's a <laughs> Ample bosom is probably a clam phrase, I imagine. Uh, the, Put it on the board. Yeah. And uh, after um, I clamor down right. to my own bunk and... Uh, I wake up the next morning to the Swedish man who was above me. <laughs> uh, and he sees that I'm awake. And he just gives me this look, like this wide-eyed, like like that Seinfeld episode, the code that you're supposed to use to buy a condom, where you like <laughs> right. open your eyes wide and just nod your head. <laughs> and he just kind of looks at me and he smiles. But it's like, it's sort of a painful smile. Like, cause I think he, like he and I had spoken about what I had done the day before. Right. Like he knew, like I talked to a couple of people and this guy knew and he just kind of, he sort of smiled at me, sort of looked up at Irish Mary's bunk bed and sort of smiled back, kind of nodded. And he just like shouldered his backpack and walked out. And I was just left like sort of staring up at like the underside of his former bunk and feeling like, you know, like in a weird way that might have been the most rude to everyone in the dorm. Right. <laughs> but life affirming thing I could have done. Right. Like that I'm I'm fighting. I'm, I'm pushing off the evil. I'm pushing away the death. Right. By like bringing joy to realistically myself. I was only right. 27. She was probably bummed out. But, <laughs> but like I was able to sort of move on. Right. Uh, and that was like the combination of work and play for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, God. 
fucking bless Irish Mary. You, you do realize. From my people to her. You do right. realize, though, that if you had stayed with Irish Mary and that had become somehow a relationship down the road, long down the road, you never uh, could have. If if you were to say, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm too tired tonight, she could say, you could give me cunnilingus <laughs> at Auschwitz, but now you're too tired. Whoa! That's convenient. Well, well, well. Yeah. How about that? Mary says it's okay. She can see the future. Everything turns around. Everything turns around. Terrors may be coming, but they are only games. Everything turns around. Everything turns around. I also have like a, a weird where you start to touch on like very heavy history. Yeah. When I was staying at uh, a youth hostel in Brussels and there was uh, me and my friend who were both American and then this German guy. And we got to talking and he was so lovely and we're chatting and he, we're talking about movies. And so we were talking and he was talking about how he learned to speak English from watching all these American movies. He's like a huge cinephile. We're chatting, chatting. And we started talking about like, what's the first movie that you watched that made you cry like right. you, that you can remember having like the right the right kind of cry <laughs> that you're like I'm having an emotional reaction like not Dumbo like a right. you know like and a I was like when I was a kid I remember they did like uh like a three-part series on Anne Frank and I'm like and it just like really affected me so now it's like it's a very serious conversation and this German guy goes uh who who's Anne Frank oh and I'm starting to sweat immediately. I'm like, was um, is Anne Frank? I'm like, um, you know, and and you know Anne Frank, she wrote a, a diary. Girl She's wrote a diary. The World War II was a holocaust, you know, about the holocaust obviously cuz you <laughs> and he's like not getting it and I'm like, you know, she wrote a a a, a journal and it's everyone reads it, I think, I hope. <laughs> and he goes he's hope. like thinking, he's thinking and then finally he goes Oh, Anna Frank. And I was like, <laughs> yes, Anne Frank. And he was like, oh, oh my God, you thought I didn't know who Anne, yeah, yes, I know who Anne Frank oh is. And I was God. like, ha, 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 of course you do. It's a, <laughs> it happened yeah. in your country. <laughs> you know, German, because you did it. What, who, I don't know, movies. We, I also like Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> we, we call Diary of Little Girl Who Take Nice Vacation in Crawl Space. I <laughs> <laughs> <That> was Russian. <laughs> Too much Polish vodka for me, too. (laughs) Thank you for not making me follow that fucking story (laughs) with a story about pudding and pajamas. I would have been furious. They they magically fell in the right order. Thank you for making me not follow it with green (laughs) (laughs) throw-up. Let me tell you about the most important moment in my life. And I was so alone. The tetherball chains were clanging. What could be worse (laughs) in the universe? Check out Jess Charles's really funny short called Killer Friends on Funny or Die, and uh, find Tim James where he does not exist on the internet, and convince him to write that book about travel stories, because I think we proved he can do it. What more can I say other than thank you to the patrons, 
thank you for your patience, and I promise this very much. We will talk to you soon.